Amen. So good to see everybody. Thank you all for those that helped out uh, yesterday. We had we had twenty eight pallets of food. Somebody say wow. It's a lot of food. So we are so grateful for all you that helped bag that, for those of you that uh, can make it on Tuesday to help distribute that. And I would just ask that you would just keep uh, that in your prayers. We have some special things that we're going to be putting in uh, all the groceries, just a special thing called the Book of Life to help people know more about God and who Jesus is and a card about our church if they need prayer or any questions about anything about God. And so we're just praying that God uses it. We'll have a place here if people just need prayer they can pull off to the side and we'll have people praying with people that just need that as they come through so i'm really praying that god does a great work through our community and we're so thankful for a convoy of hope that was able to uh bring the 18 wheeler up with all the food i think the 18 wheeler came from springfield missouri so we're so grateful for partnering with convoy of hope and all the good work uh through christ jesus they're, they're doing around the country and around the world so thank you for your prayers for that i really appreciate it if you've got your Bibles, you're looking on phone, on your phone or whatever, you have that with you. We're going to be in Acts chapter 5. We've been going through the book of Acts, and uh, this book gives us an incredible look at the beginning of the church and how the church made it. And I appreciate the author of Acts, Luke, who gives us uh, what the church had to do to survive and endure. And he gives us the good, he gives us the bad, it doesn't whitewash anything. And what we've come to understand is that the church was full of different people, but who were all on the same path. They had this incredible focus, and I believe that's the reason why God did such incredible things through the early church. And the world looked at the church and just kind of stood back and wondered, why are they doing such great things? Why are so many lives being changed? It just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't mean that the church was perfect, but it was growing and lives were being changed by the power of God. Now, I believe with all my heart, the same God that worked in the first century church is the same God that's working today in our church in 2020. Can I get an amen? Same spirit, same God, no horn beeping. Give me one horn beep for that one. All right, good. I needed that. I needed that. So this doesn't mean that the church was perfect, but what began to happen is the church began to grow. There were some that didn't like this, especially those part of the established religious system at the time. They were rocking their boat. They didn't like this new group, this group of believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus, that were doing these incredible things. People are getting healed. People are turning their lives over to Christ. The church is getting persecuted, but the more the church was persecuted, the more the church grew. And they thought, they thought this elite religious group of religious people thought they could stop the move of God by arresting the apostles. Guess what? Didn't work. In fact, what happened was just the opposite, is the church continued to grow and grow and grow, and it was overwhelming the amount of people that were coming to Christ. So the more persecution, the more the church grew. And can I just say this? It's okay if persecution comes our way. 
Because what we learn through the Word of God is that when persecution came to the church, it revealed what the church truly was trusting in their lives. Do we really believe that God can still grow His church and grow us even in the midst of persecution? And what we read in the book of Acts is absolutely yes. And that's why I believe we need to hear these words today. Because it shouldn't cause us to become discouraged, but it should encourage us knowing that when the church is persecuted for the message of Jesus Christ, that we're actually doing something right. So if something happens in your life, don't necessarily think, oh, God has judged me or this is happening. This, why is this happening in my life? Maybe God is allowing it for your growth to cause us to grow closer to Christ. And so the more the church was persecuted, the more it grew. So in Acts chapter 5, it's going to show how the persecution of the apostles with the growth of the church. And I want you to see what they did in the face of persecution. When things weren't going their way, I want you to see what they focused on. And my prayer, listen, my prayer for you this morning is that this would encourage you. If you're going through a discouraging time, obviously as a country we're going through a discouraging time, and I pray that this word here in the middle of Acts chapter 5 would encourage you today to stay the course. God is still in control. So we can trust him, we can believe in him, that he is doing a good work. So I want to read Acts chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 17 through 21. It's where the apostles meet opposition. And so what we have here is we have these religious elite, high officials, the high priest and officials, that are coming against the apostles and are arresting them. So this is what verse 17 says. It said, The high priest and his officials, who were Sadducees, and basically, real quick, Sadducees, they were kind of the aristocratic class of Jews who held much power in the religious activities that went on in the temple, which was in Jerusalem. So they didn't like what was going on with the apostles and how people were coming to Christ. And so they were filled with jealousy, the Word of God says. And what they did were, verse 18, they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail, hoping they would just get discouraged and just give up. But then while in jail, verse 19 says, But an angel of the Lord came at night and opened the gates of the jail and brought them out. And then he told them this. He didn't say, Now go run and hide. You know, now go take care of yourselves. Listen to what is said to them in verse 20. It says, go to the temple. Go right back to the place where you were arrested. And this is what was said to them. Give the people this message of life. Let's all say that together. Message of life. One, two, three. Very good for you that said it. All right. What is this message of life? So he, the, the message to them wasn't to run and hide. The message was not to cower. The message was, now go right back to the people and give them this message of life. So verse 21 says, So at daybreak the apostles entered the temple, as they were told, and they immediately began teaching this message of life. So the message they were to speak was this message of life that they were told to share. And we know that the central message of life is Christ. But what did the angel mean by the message of life? The words of life are the words of salvation and eternal life. It's, it's, this, it's this direction that was given to them to say, listen, this is what you were to tell the people. 
You're to tell them that through Christ Jesus, there is eternal life with God. And so the words of life can also mean the words, the way. Show them the way. And this is interesting for this reason. In fact, the early church was actually called the way. Now, what's interesting about that, it wasn't called the way by the Christians. It was onlookers looking at the church that called them the way. That's the irony here. The irony is, is that they were called the way by many outside of the church. They were called the way as evidence of the way they were living and what they believed. Can I just pause here for just a minute? Let me just pause here. I'm going to start preaching. So hold, buckle your, if you're in your cars, buckle your seatbelts. All right. Listen, what are people saying about us? What are people saying about you and your testimony of Jesus Christ? What are we more concerned with? Are we more concerned with all the things that are going on in the world, our political slant? Or are we more concerned about the message of the way? When people look at our lives, are they seeing something different? Are they seeing Christ in us? What is the thing that is is exhuming from my life and my testimony in Christ? So what's interesting about the early churches, that's what they were characterized by, by the way they were living their life, and their belief in Jesus Christ. Listen, church, we cannot lose that focus. We need to stay on that road. My job as a pastor is to proclaim the way. Your job as a follower of Jesus, if you're following Jesus, is to proclaim the message of life. That's our focus. We cannot lose that focus in the crazy world we're living in now and how many you know you watch five minutes of the news and you just want to throw something through the TV set? It's so easy to lose our way and to get caught up in things that we're not supposed to get caught up in. And so they were telling people the way to salvation. And if you got accused of being part of the way, it surely meant persecution. So the word the way in the Greek, which is the original language that the New Testament was written in, is the word that means road highway, or way of life. This description was given to the early Christians proclaiming Jesus' words of being the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus wasn't just a a way. He claimed to be the only way. Those are Jesus' words. Jesus is the only road to eternal life. That's the message of life that the apostles were to continually give and continually teach. And so this message was transforming lives and causing others to take notice. Now, many resisted the message of life. And so what's the reason? Why is the reason why so many in our world today, if you knew um, the way to eternal life and a way to overcome our sins and a way to have eternal hope, wouldn't that be good news? Is that good news for those of you who have been transformed by the message of Christ? Isn't that good news for your lives Isn't your lives better now? It doesn't mean that everything is hunky-dory and everything smells like potpourri. But isn't your life better with Christ? Even going through the difficult things in life, we have an ultimate hope of our eternal state in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news? Anybody, help me, people, help me. All right. Sounds good. Do you ever remember, those of you that are old like me, do you remember a time when uh, you were lost and you didn't ask for directions because you were prideful? 
I know, I know guys kind of have this problem, but back in the day, kids, listen up, kids. Back in the day, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have GPS. We didn't have Google Maps. We didn't have navigation systems in our car. I know. Everybody take a deep, oh, my gosh, no phones. What do we do? Right? We didn't have all. All we had is maps. Remember remember AAA, the triptychs? Remember those when you went on your trip to Florida and your parents were arguing in the front seat because you're on the wrong triptych page and you, they highlighted all the routes you had to take? Remember those bizarre days before our, our phones? And so you sometimes you just had to rely on your sense of direction. How many of you, when you relied on your own sense of direction, that didn't work out so well for you? Okay, yeah, I I hear the amens out there. Um, I remember uh, when I was in college, I was at a friend's house, and it was late at night, 11 or 12 at night. My parents were down at, at my grandparents' cottage just in the Bristol Hills, and so it was a different route that I had to take there. So I thought I had this great idea off my great sense of direction. I go, I'll take this other route because I think it will get me there faster. I thought I knew the way. I thought the way I chose would be quicker because I thought I had such a great sense of direction. And what began to happen is the road that I was taking kept getting narrower and narrower until it turned into a dirt road. And then the dirt road stopped at this house, and I saw two people playing banjos on their front porch. And I began to think to myself, I'm in big trouble, right? Have you ever taken a wrong road in your life? And then looking back, you thought, oh, I thought this was a great idea. I thought this was a great path for my life. And then looking back over your life, you were able to say that road was littered with bad decisions. We've all been there, right? Amen? We've all been there. But at the end of your bad decisions were two creepy guys out of the movie Deliverance playing banjos. That's basically all it is, right? That's basically all it is. And and maybe you had a wake-up call. Maybe you asked someone for help to redirect your life, and that's how you came to Christ. Praise God for that. Maybe you're on a bad road right now, but you're too prideful to ask for help. I remember years ago, I dealt with a just a, a really heavy uh, topic of pornography, and I dealt with it in a message of mine, and I just said to those that were battling with it, I said, listen, the first step to take is a step to share it with somebody and bring that out into the light. And I said, if you are bold this morning, you're struggling with that in your life, if you would just take a bold step and just just talk to me, either email me, call me, come up after, let, let me pray for you. And I remember it was quite a, a little bit before the service end, everybody left. And I always remember, it, I just remember it like it was yesterday, there was a young man who came up to me and admitted his struggle and wanted help. That was the first step, the first change of his life that helped him to get off that painful road. And I'm here to tell you that that young man is doing great today. See, the problem is we don't want to ask for directions when we're struggling. We feel like the decisions that we make in our life are good ones so many times because we're, we're just depending on ourselves. And when we make those bad choices in our lives, sometimes our pride doesn't allow us to ask for help. And so I want to tell you this morning 
that what Christ wants to do is he wants to give you that message of life. But what happens so many times is pride gets in the way because we don't want to admit that we're lost. And we've all made bad choices in our lives. But the question is, how do we deal with those bad choices? We can either bury them because we're too stubborn to admit them or admit when we're wrong. We might see the signs of our wrong behavior. Someone may point them out to us, but yet we still ignore them. The hardest decision you ever make in your life is to admit that you need directions and realize that you're lost. And I want you to realize this morning is that the, is, is that is the exact reason why Jesus came. He doesn't expect us to figure it all out. He realizes that we're sinners that need a Savior. But the hardest thing for us is we feel in our hearts, because the proclivity of my heart is to take care of me and my sins, and we feel like, I don't need a Savior. I don't need Jesus. Maybe you grew up in church, and you're just like, oh, church is just another another thing. But I want you to realize that Christ wants to grab your heart and your mind and allow him to show you the way. You see, the, the purpose for Jesus to coming to earth was to show us the right way and to give us the right directions to heaven. But the problem is our pride, that we don't feel like we need help. I was reading a book by R.C. Sproul called The Holiness of God. And R.C. Sproul just so well and so succinctly just explains the holiness of God to our own sin. And let me just read you a quote from that book. R.C. Sproul says, When we understand the character of God, when we grasp something of his holiness, then we begin to understand the radical character of our sin and hopelessness. Helpless sinners can survive only by grace. Our strength is futile in itself. We are spiritually impotent without the assistance of a merciful God. We may dislike giving our attention to God's wrath and justice, but until we incline ourselves to these aspects of God's nature, we will never appreciate what has been wrought for us by his wonderful grace. And what I appreciate about this quote is that when I see how perfect God is, and I see the perfectness of his holiness, I will realize how far I am from God. And that's okay. God does not want us to keep us in a state where we're groveling and we feel like we're no good and we can never match up. What God wants is to realize that he is holy and nothing unholy can approach him. And until I come to that realization, I will never understand my need for God. I will realize that, that I can do it in my own or my own strength or my own goodness. But when I see the holiness of God and how perfect God is in every way, I will realize how far I am from God. Then I will begin to realize how great God's grace is and, and what a wonderful thing God did to actually reach me through his son Jesus. That is the message of life. The message of life is we're sinners and we're lost without God. But the good news is God did something for us by sending his son to take our sin upon himself and give us a savior that we all need. I want you to think about it for a moment. Think about how freeing it was to admit when you were wrong and you owned it. Isn't that freeing? I know it's it's like Fonzie on Happy Days. I was like he couldn't say he was wrong. See, when we willingly admit, God, I was wrong. You know, I remember before I was a Christian. You know, you 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 cuss and you swear, and 
And I, and I remember when I first became a Christian at age 16, I remember one of my first repentant prayers was, God, I'm so sorry for blaspheming your name so many times. And I thought I was so cool in front of my friends. But now I realize your grace and your mercy and what you did for me. And it changed my heart. So then when you, know, when you hear someone uses the Lord's name in vain, it's not like, oh, I'm all offended. Don't say that around me because I'm a Christian. How dare you use that bad language around me? And then you, we make ourselves to be holier than thou. But when I hear someone say that, what it does is it almost breaks my heart because I realize what Jesus did for them and what Jesus did for me. It's that personal relationship. It would be someone saying something very negative against your best friend or your spouse. You hurt because you know that person and you love that person. And so when they say something negative or derogatory, it hurts you. So when I hear that, when someone uses the Lord's name in vain, or something derogatory against God, it hurts me because we know now, those that follow Christ, what he actually did for us. That he bled and died on a cross for us because he cared for us. And none of us in this place deserved it. We didn't merit it, but because of God's great love for us, he gave us his son. This is why Jesus came. He came to help us. And when we know we're lost, when we know we've messed up, we can find our healing. And guess what? He still came for messed up sinners. Aren't you glad for that? This is why Jesus came to lead us back to God. And without Jesus, we are lost. I love Luke in Luke 19.10. Luke gives the mission of Jesus and he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. So when we humble ourselves before God and admit we need direction, God swoops in with his grace and his mercy and he lifts us up. And he loves us and he puts us on the right path, the right direction. That doesn't mean life isn't going to be hard. That doesn't mean we'll never make a mistake. But the one thing that it does mean is we can find forgiveness and grace in Christ Jesus every single day. Aren't you glad for his grace every single day? I am. I need that grace. And so Jesus didn't come for the know-it-alls, those who think they have it all together. God's love and mercy gives us the reality of, of who we truly are. And I'm going to finish with this verse as the as the worship team makes their way up. I want you to listen to Isaiah 53, 6. Listen to these words as we just close here. I want you to listen real closely because what Isaiah does is he gives us the purpose for this Messiah coming, prophesied some 700 years before Jesus came to earth. He gives us the reason for the Savior coming. And then what Isaiah does is, through, through the word of God, through prophecy, explains our lives and what we've done and gives us the reality of who we are. And listen to what it says. It says, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away, and we have left God's path to follow our own. Every single one of us has done that before Christ. And this is what Isaiah says through the inspiration of, of God and the Holy Spirit. He says, yet the Lord laid on him, Jesus Christ, the sins of us all. Jesus came to show us the way back home. Aren't you so glad for that? So when we admit our shortcomings and we admit our sin, that's when God's grace and mercy floods in. So by God's grace, Jesus comes and pays for our sins through his life, and he gives us a new life, and he gives us a different path. And so what Jesus does, he comes to put us on the right path, give us the the directions to God, And it would be through Christ Jesus that we can now approach a perfect, holy God. So I want to ask you a question this morning as we just pray and we finish with a worship song. Let me just ask you a tough question. 
What path are you on today? Just ask yourself that. Maybe you say, you know, Pastor, I've, I've got two feet on two different paths. Yeah, I, I, I kind of believe in God, but I kind of want to do my own thing. That's not a good path to be on because guess what path is going to win out? The path of your own desire. You, you can't serve two masters. It's not going to work. Some of you, you know you're on a wrong path, but you're like, you're kind of, you're kind of oblivious. You're like, yeah, I know I'm on this wrong path, but I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of benign to it. I don't really care. That's a dangerous path to be on too. And some of you may be on the path with God and you're saying, Pastor, I'm serving God, but I'm just frustrated. I'm frustrated with this world. I'm frustrated with what's going on in my life. Well, guess what? That path is sometimes going to be bumpy. And Jesus even said it's a narrow path that those that find eternal life. It's the wide path that leads to destruction. That narrow path may not be easy. But guess what? Christ is going to walk with you through every bump, every rock, every boulder, every rut. That's how we say it in upstate New York. Every rut, every root. He's going to be with you. He's going to help you through it. So don't be discouraged. God's word is a light into our path and a lamp unto my feet. You trust in God every single day. You put your hope in his word. You keep coming with other believers like we are here today to allow God to encourage you. That path is narrow and it's going to be difficult. But at the end, it's really good. And we know what waits for us at the end of that road, and that's Jesus. He's waiting for us. I can't wait for that day. When I can hug my Lord and Savior, and he can just say, Barden, you made a lot of mistakes in your life, but I'm the one that covers you. I'm the one that loves you. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's all I want to hear. I don't know what heaven's going to be like, but as long as Jesus is there, that's all I care about. Everything else is just cherry on the top of the Sunday. Amen. So I'm going to pray for you today. And um, what road are you on today? Let, let, let God allow you to switch lanes and take a hold of Christ's hands and find that forgiveness that you need today. He's waiting for you and he loves you and he cares for you. He's not going to cast you out. He's not going to stiff arm you. He already knows your past. He already knows your sin. That's why he loves you so much. He wants to embrace you and all our hurt and all our pain. Let him do that today. So Father God, we just come before you today. I thank you for those that are here, those that are online, God. Lord, we need you today. Redirect our path if we're on the wrong path. If we've got two feet on two different paths, God, redirect us to your path. And for those that are struggling on the path of following you, I pray you would encourage them and let them know that you're going to walk with them every single step of the way. You are a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet, but that, that lamp unto our feet is just enough to take another step. That lamp isn't way down the path. It's just enough where we can look down and say, okay, I'm going to take another step with you. I'm going to take another step with you. I'm not going to worry what's way down the path. I'm just going to keep walking with you every single step. So thank you for your word that encourages us. I thank you for your church, God, that, that comes around us, that prays for us, that encourages us. So Lord, may we just, just grab your hand today through all the stuff that's going in our world today. And may we be a people who preaches the message of life of Jesus Christ. Let that be the emblem of our life and let that be the emblem of living word. We love you and we thank you for your word. And we just ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name. 
and all God's people said, amen to God's word. Can we thank him? Give him a hand clap of praise, thanking God. Amen.